You are listening to Piano Maverick. I'm your host, Rodney Ronquillo. Now, this is a new podcast for already. It's 2020, so I just want to wish everybody a happy new year. And I want to apologize to all of you. I My last podcast was around October. And the reason for that being, and then actually I don't have any excuses. If anything, I actually had all of my equipment with me. Uh, but I had been traveling with my wife uh, since my last podcast. We went to Asia for about two weeks. We stopped in Japan for one night because we came. We were flying from Toronto, and we had a one-hour flight going to Montreal, and then we had a very quick uh, run to our connecting flight, which only was five minutes. Yet the the connecting flight was probably gates like probably more than 20 gates away and lucky for us they were able to get uh, some sort of vehicle that zoomed us all the way from our gate that came from Toronto all the way to our connecting flight to Japan and we just barely made it they were just about to close the doors on us and then they pretty much (laughs) it was so exhausting it was uh, it was just very exhilarating uh, to say the least but that being said, it was it was quite a fun uh, fun five minutes <laughs> to get to our connecting flight. So from there, we had a long thirteen hour flight. I'm not I'm not really much of a stickler for long flights, but I had to I had to like watch probably about three, four, five, maybe even let's see if if one movie was about an hour thirty minutes or two hours. Then I probably had to watch about six movies um, before we actually made it in Tokyo. Now, that that being said, um, we it was somewhat of an enjoyable flight. Uh, of course, I wanted to bring my little mini Yamaha Reface synthesizer piano. Well, that's not a piano; it's actually a, a keyboard. Uh, because what I wanted to do is I wanted to take it with me and continue working on my piano course uh, which pretty much got stalled uh, for the time that I was there but we spent one night in Tokyo uh, just to recover from the long flight and we met with my aunt-in-law her name is Eleanor Fukuda uh, who is my wife's uh, auntie biological auntie so for just one night we got a chance to take a look at Japan we settled into our hotel just for overnight and then we had probably some the mo- probably the most amazing meal I've had in a long time because the food that they cook there let, let's face it they you're going to get great ingredients fresh farm to fresh sorry not farm to fresh I mean farm fresh ingredients like from farm to the city table and the majority of everything that's there I don't believe is gen- genetically sorry genetically modified so that actually made a huge, huge difference because the food was just fantastic. Uh, on top of that, and I love sushi and sashimi, so I took the I took the opportunity to order a, a chirashi meal, which is actually a, actually a sashimi meal. Uh, that's it just laid on a bed of rice, basically. So it's like almost it's almost like sushi, except it's upside down sushi. So I tried it, and I have to tell you, it really melted in my mouth. 
and that was the first time I actually tried that sort of sushi and I just fell in love with it. That's when I knew that I was actually in probably, you know, like the, I am in the country where the source of the recipe came from and it was just phenomenal. And yeah, I mean, on top of that, that we got to see our bedroom uh, in the hotel. And I have to say it was really, really small and compact. Hotels in Japan, well, at least for the hotel we were in, I had heard on YouTube and, you know, from other people that some hotels are, they're, they're probably less than 100 square feet, maybe even like 80 square feet, uh, if anything. But uh, you have to um, go with it, if anything, you know, like because it is part of the culture. And I mean, if there's anything bigger, I'm pretty sure it was in the more expensive parts of Tokyo. So we didn't really stay that long. We The next morning, we got to eat an amazing breakfast. The scrambled eggs that I had, they were really creamy. I mean, it's not like scrambled eggs I would get at a North American hotel where the scrambled eggs are microwaved and they're usually from cartons and so forth. I, I have had really good scrambled eggs in some North American city uh, hotels, uh, but I have to say that this was just the most amazing scrambled egg I've ever eaten. So we made our connect we made our flight to Manila. And you know, I haven't been to Manila. I'll, I'll tell you just to give you a little background. The last time I was in Manila, it was in 1998 uh, for a funeral when my grandmother passed away. And that would be the last time I would see all of my relatives of my age group uh, being the Gen Xers. And also, my, I had some nephews and nieces who were toddlers. A lot of them were probably four or five years old. And, you know, they're, um, they're in, I mean, I've, my family comes from the provincial towns. Um, it's called Ago'o Leonion. It's the, it's the Ilocano province. That's what it's called. In the Philippines, they speak a language called Tagalog, but they have all these dialects. And my family, my parents are from the... Ilocano region. So, because I haven't been there since 1998, I know for a fact that I was gonna probably meet some of the some of my nephews and nieces who the last time I saw in diapers are now going to be of university age or of working age. So they may only know of me from Facebook. So we got to the Philippines and. It was quite an interesting experience because we we were um, first of all we didn't get to go into Ninoy Aquino Airport. Um, what I don't know what to call those uh, places, but you know the actual main hubs. We actually we actually our plane uh, went to the Federal Express hub, and then they had to bring out these airport buses, which actually shuttled us all the way to some part of uh, Ninoy Aquino Airport. And when we got in the first thing we saw was this massive lineup of people uh, they weren't just Filipino they were people from all over the world and they were lining up for something and it turns out that there was a quarantine uh, going on for polio and since we're coming from Canada and we know we've we consider ourselves very very healthy because we we take our supplementation and so forth we weren't sure if this was going to be like a good use of our time but we did ask around and ask them if we really needed to go to this sort of thing because 
we're just here to visit. And they said, as long as we're not going to the provinces and we're not coming from another provinces of the Philippines, uh, we should be fine. And then we just showed them our itinerary and they cleared us. And we went straight to the luggages. And when we made our way out of Ninoy Aquino Airport, the first thing I saw was all of these people at the entrance slash exit and I felt as if they were like fans just waiting for their favorite singer coming out. <laughs> it felt like that. But it actually were people who were waiting for the loved ones. It's just that it's just so different uh, when you're coming from one part of the world and you're going to that part of the world. I would apologize because I'm actually doing this podcast just past midnight, but um, I needed. I felt I needed to get back into this sort of thing, and this was actually the best time to actually speak uh, to all of you or to, to chat with all of you. So, and I have to say, Manila's traffic. Oh my gosh, <laughs> there's a saying: um, it's always fun in the Philippines, and you know they are right. And I learned so much about the Philippines uh, and as to why it's fun. There's never a dull moment in that country. There's either entertainment, there's either great food, you know, there's lots of friendly people, but I have to tell you, the traffic is just <laughs> incredible. It's like, it's so full of momentum. Um, everybody creates their own lane. Motorcyclists, they just show up unexpected. So, and also buses are coming out of nowhere and you have those holy moly moments where it, you feel like a, car, a, a bus is about to crush your cab, your cab, and or your it's it, they call it they call it grab grab car or grab go car, which was actually owned I think it was owned by Uber at one point, but in our grab go car I we were we were probably just inches away from hitting a bus, but surprisingly we had not one collision whatsoever, and the traffic just keeps going going going, you know. But while we were in the car a couple of times in Manila, we saw all of these great artists. And also, surprisingly enough, we also saw billboards and also signs of people we had worked with before. They apparently, they are stars in the, the country. So it's kind of an honor knowing that some famous people in the Philippines happen to be people that we've worked with in the past too as well so that was quite an honor if anything and we finally got to go to our hotel and it was it was really nice it was called the bsa twin towers and we were just actually situated just right across the street of mega mall and we had our first jollibee uh, if you don't know what jollibee is jollibee is actually the filipino version of mcdonald's but instead of a clown you actually get a bee a bumblebee that's smiling and they have similar menu items uh, to McDonald's but they also have fried chicken and they've got all of these other dishes like palabok which is uh, a noodle uh, dish whether it's made out of rice or rice noodles or it's made out of egg noodles and all sorts of like uh, luscious delicious ingredients that uh, that won't do very well for your New Year's resolutions if you're trying to lose weight <laughs> right so but anyway, um, just give me a second here. Oh. Yeah, I feel like I gotta get this out of my head, if anything. So we we learned a lot about the city. Oh, and then the reason why we actually were on this trip is because my wife, Shirelle's father, 
my father, well, my father-in-law had turned 90 uh, in September of 2019. And we had plans to put together a surprise party for him. We couldn't go in September because of work obligations, but it was actually a blessing in disguise because by going in October of 2019, he already had forgotten about everything. And we did wish him a happy birthday on Facebook as well as Facebook Messenger. But little did he know that we were actually planning this massive birthday party for him, uh, if anything. So we actually did the surprise party. My father-in-law was just surprised and shocked and pleasantly shocked, pleasantly surprised at the same time, if there's such a word, pleasantly shocked. And he couldn't believe that um, that he had a party um, going on for him. But what even shocked him the most was that uh, the party was being run by both Shirel and myself, with Shirel being uh, the the uh, the person who came, who wanted to hold this party together. And fortunately, we have some great friends um, who used to live in Toronto. You know, they they have been event coordinators here in Toronto and they were always the go-to people and uh, we used to actually we Sharelle and I used to play music at their uh, children's baptism uh, this is her name well on Facebook uh, her, her name is different but uh, it's Jang and Eugene Guia uh, they are good friends of ours um, Jang actually was one of our bridesmaids at our 2015 wedding and Jang and Eugene, mostly Jang, I would say, uh, was heading the coordination of the entire event. So we were very lucky to have, like, probably the Philippines, one of the Philippines' top event coordinators, uh, if anything. And she involved her entire family. She she involved Eugene, um, Sophia, and Sabrina. Um, and they all helped out in putting together this really uh, spectacular event. And you, have, you should have seen the look on my, my father-in-law's face when, he's, when he heard that, that you know, from the Great White North, we, we have your new hosts, Shirel and Roddy Ronquillo. And he's like, what? And he's look, so my father-in-law's look, laws looking into the audience. He doesn't even know we're actually walking towards him until he sees this tall <laughs> Filipino Canadian guy. Oh, you're, 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 you're here. You're here. He goes, hey, Dad, how you doing? Yeah, you know how long it <laughs> takes to fly over to uh, Philippines from Canada. You're here. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness, you're here. You know, and he was just so surprised. And he had, he, I could say that he had the time of his life. Uh, we also had a lot of help from our friend, Jang. Who, well, maybe Jang and Eugene, I guess, they, they both helped us out. But Jang would send us these videos of um, superstars, actually. There was a kid named Darren Espanto who I think was uh, a winner on, or not a winner, but uh, um, a finalist on uh, The Voice or, or something like that, Voice Philippines or The Voice uh, something, or, or some sort of competition. Uh, that was big, and then there was another girl named Jonah. Uh, so I don't I don't know much about Jonah, but I I heard from other people that she's a really really good singer as well. Um, I actually worked with a singer named Morissette. My my wife and I worked with a singer named Morissette in the Philippines, not Alana's Morissette, but Morissette. Her last name's Amon, and she actually is like like the uh, she she she. 
has her influence style comes from like Mariah Carey and Celine Dion and Whitney Houston and all the sort. And we had worked with her as well, but we actually formed a really close friendship with uh, her musical director, uh, Adonis Tabanda and Paolo Ledesma, which we actually got a chance to to meet up with before we left the Philippines, if anything. But we had a really good experience in the Philippines as well. I mean, like I said, it's never a dull moment. It's always fun in the Philippines. And there was this, there was this one, um, there was this one department building, department building or department store, I guess, if you want to call it like that. Uh, now I don't remember what it's called. But it's not the Okada. The Okada is like, is Las Vegas, um, Bellagio type uh, uh, complex that has this amazing uh, water uh, entertainment thing but all I can remember is that in Mandaluyong there was this place where it had a grand piano in there and what's nice about it is that anybody everybody's allowed to play it right in the middle of the mall sorry it is a mall it is a mall but I, if I if I do remember it I'll probably mention it in, in the next uh, podcast but there I am I'm just playing uh, whatever I could, I, I'm, you know, it, it helps, it helps to, you know, like learn how to play by ear. It really helps because when you sit down at the piano, you know, and this was a beautiful uh, six foot grand piano. It was a Yamaha black, black Yamaha grand piano, gorgeous piano, great sound. And when you know and you learn how to play by ear and you are comfortable playing by ear, you can play anything. You just It's not just a song, uh, like off the radio. You can just make a song up in your head and you just let it flow right through your fingers. You know, And then people stop by and they hear you because you're actually playing from the heart. The moment you start playing a song, on the other hand, it's either they're gonna relate to you because you, know, you like the song and they like the song, or they're just gonna pass by as if, it, as if it's just background music. You know, the, the latter worked better for me, but the latter before that, just improvising and playing all these triads and, you know, uh, broken chords and all sorts of passages, just making it up as I go. Whatever sounded good to my ear, basically. I noticed that people would stop and listen. You know, it's it really helps to, to be able to learn how to play by ear because by doing so, when you pick up all sorts of techniques like uh, the simpler technique, the simpler techniques uh, actually really come out very well when you can play by ear and you can almost fake it to make it sound like it's a massive trill or, or you know, like or this broken arpeggio that goes from the lower uh, register all the way up to like the higher register and it just sounds like a Liberace thing or, or or some classical thing but yet you're adding all sorts of pizzazz to the music as well so it really really helps to play by ear and let's put it this way when you're in the Philippines I'm gonna tell you right now every just about I don't know if it's 90 or 95 percent of the Filipinos but music is pretty much like as if it's in their blood like uh, and that's not because I'm Filipino it's I'm not, it's not because I'm rooting for it it's just that that's my observation anybody uh, almost anybody there can sing almost anybody there can play guitar and plenty of people even the young even the young around like age of five age of six 
they can play such advanced piano like you won't believe. I mean, whether it's classical, although I didn't, I, in the Philippines, I don't hear much classical. I hear a lot of pop, you know, pop music, and they just play it with such passion, you know. But music is just a way of life in the Philippines. It really is. It's amazing. Uh, some of my, some of the, uh, the most difficult moments in the Philippines, however, was when I was asked to attend a funeral with Cheryl because it, apparently uh, her cousin had passed away. And we flew to uh, the island of Negros Occidental in a city called Bacolod, Bacolod, sorry, Bacolod, B-A-C-B-B-A-C-O-L-O-D. And we got to meet Cheryl's family and so forth. Her cousin, Naomi Fukuda, uh, graciously drove us uh, to our hotel as well. And it wasn't as crazy trafficy like uh, Manila, although it can get like that sometimes, but it wasn't as crazy because it's a smaller provincial town. Uh, but I think it was either the next day or the next day after that, we were brought to a, the, the funeral and then I saw a lot of people. There was a do- there was a dog in the church. It was a Catholic church. There was a dog in the church, and there was a ton of people in the church. And I'm thinking to myself, "Wow, this must be a big family of Charels." However, we were at closer to the end of the mass. We were asked to go to the altar, and I'm thinking to myself, "Oh, I guess they're they're honoring the um, the Alang Sagai clan, which is my my wife's uh, mother's maiden name. It's Alang Sagai, but." The, it's um, spelled G-A-Y, almost, it sounds like Alang Sagay, but it's actually Alang Sagay. That's how they pronounce things in the Philippines. So we went up to the altar and to see Shirel's uh, cousins. Um, it wasn't a casket, it actually was an urn. But to my surprise and to my shock, it was actually four, fam- four different families at the altar with four different uh deceased people the person to well the deceased person to our left was in a coffin that was covered and the family surrounded them surrounding the coffin they were very quiet then we had us but then to the right of us was a totally different shocking thing what i saw was a baby inside a glass coffin and i i didn't i i pretty much um i i pretty much froze because it's like that's a baby you know um, that baby didn't even get to probably go uh, past one year I think it was probably four months old only got to live for four months and then must have died from a disease or something and the fact that they had to put the baby in a glass coffin it must have been some sort of contagious disease I don't know I have no idea how um, things work there but then to the right of that the baby's coffin and the family there was a coffin with some lady in there and there were like probably I, I lost count but I think there were like seven kids crying um, saying something like nanai nanai is um, well nanai is, is, is one of the words for uh, mother you know and that that also uh, shocked me as well so there were actually four different families and they were we were all grieving 
you know, I mean, but I, the one that really shocked me the most was what was to the right of us. Sorry, I felt like I wanted to share this because it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just some of my experiences there. And then um, we got to enjoy the rest of the Bacolo. Um, we, we, we attended the Mascara Festival. Now, Mascara, it's like M-A-S-S, or Mask, and then Cara. You know, Mascara. Mascara. It's like it's not like mascara, like the the um, stuff that you put on your well, girls put on their eyes or guys put on their eyes if they're eyelids if they're going to go in um, a photo shoot or something. But it's actually it's like a festival of masks, basically. It's like you know if you go to Rio de Janeiro or if you go to, go to Carabana here in Toronto uh, as well. It's almost similar to that, but wearing masks. And it's just it's it's quite a festival that it's a party, you know and. Uh, like I said, um, or like the saying goes, it's always fun in the Philippines, and it sure was. You know, it was sure a lot of fun there. We got to, so we got to put a pose with the Jollibee, a real life Jollibee. The one thing that I learned during the Mascara festivals, and uh, around 2 p.m., all the way up to uh, 9 or 10 p.m., they put some sort of disruptor all over the island, so much so that you cannot text anybody. You can't call anybody and you can't use the internet. Uh, no Wi-Fi, um, no data connection. Now, I had to like rely on my data co connection because I didn't have some sort of device that I would bought in the Philippines during the time. I was using uh, my TELUS Mobility uh, data plan, and, and which had kicked into international mode. So I was using my Canadian data plan to try to get a hold of my wife and the disruptors pretty much disrupted my TELUS <laughs> uh, uh, internet and my data. So, which means that if I got lost, there was no way we could communicate with each other. And there was like thousands and thousands, maybe even millions of people at the festival. It was just, it was, it was nuts, if anything. So, um, word of advice: if if any of you are going to check out the Mascara Festival, which I highly recommend, make sure to make sure to schedule times if you're going to meet people somewhere or whatever way before two o'clock because once 2 p.m starts there is no way all, all communication is just down right for the mascara festival uh just keep that in mind but other than that don't let that deter you from you know um like enjoying the festival and also we got to eat at this place called kalea which is a pastry place uh, that my brother-in-law Cheryl's brother highly recommended it has like probably one of the best cakes on there uh, with the chocolate cake being their specialty but lo and behold while we were eating in the Kalea rest uh, sorry the cafe Miss Universe Pia Wurzbach happened to be in the cafe so there was a lot of security guards there you know and we thankfully I was able to get some sort of video of her just walking from the cake counter all the way to her table uh, I'm just so glad I bought the iPhone 11 Pro uh, because uh, my iPhone 6 wouldn't have gotten um, Pia Wurzbach's uh, uh, zoom in video as clear as I, you know, as um, I could because like the 11 Pro was just it, it did a phenomenal job uh, if anything. So after that, uh, we we went back to. You know, we went back to Manila. Oh yeah, I just want to let you know as well. I did get to visit my relatives and I go from both my mom's side 
and I, I spent more time with my my dad's side uh, the, the Stratas and the Ronquillos and I discovered uh, I finally got to my see my father's house for the very first time in my life and it's like it's one of the most beautiful houses I've ever seen it's big it gets huge you know and uh, I got to see my grandmother and grandfather uh, who the last time I saw them I think it was back in um, 1988 1989 actually it was 1989 1990 around the time and that was the last time I saw them so the next time I would see them um, from the trip from this trip um, was there unfortunately it was their grave so I got to see my grandmother grandmother and my grandfather and just pay pay my respects to them and so forth it was so nice to see my auntie Louise as well she was there uh, she came she's American she came from Long Beach I had seen her two years before that and it was so nice to see her there and I got to reconnect with some of my uncles like Uncle Rolando uh, and then I got to meet my uncle June, uh, and I also uh, my auntie, Rich Richie Estrada. She actually had been helping us um, coordinate the uh, Go'o trip. She she worked with my wife Cheryl. So uh, a big shout out uh, and thanks and, and love uh, to Auntie Richelda for helping us out, and for Uncle June um, Estrada, and Uncle Ro Roland Estrada for uh, bringing us around. Uh, in, in the car and also met up with um, my cousin Jesse who I last time I saw him was in 1998 so he already is an older man <laughs> now if anything definitely in his 50s uh, for sure and I got to see one of my nieces who I remember she was just a, a young teenager um, or just about to be a teenager and now she's a she's a mom and you know she's she's um, a grown-up lady and so forth I, I just I just feel um, I I wasn't prepared to bring any gifts at the time because I was just all trying to, trying to feel my way uh, visiting uh, the Philippines without my parents uh, with me so the next time I go there I'm definitely going to be bringing some gifts for sure uh, with them they, they took care of my Cheryl and myself and it was it was a very good time uh, if anything so the last night um, of our Philippine trip before the the the, uh, the following night, we we met up with our friends Adonis Tabanda uh, and Paolo Ledesma of Third Avenue. That's named that's the name of their band in a city called Makati City in the Philippines. It's just it's close to Manila. The these two were the ones who we met through doing a concert here in Toronto with a an artist named Morissette Amon, and apparently she. As one of like the top singers of Asia as well you know so we got to meet up with them uh, it was good to see them again we we celebrated their anniversary their band's anniversary we got to meet the rest of the Third Avenue band and it was it was such a pleasure and an honor that they had invited us I mean even though it was a short time meeting them because we had to get ready for our trip to Korea uh, it was such a pleasure and I, I want to say thank you to Adonis Tabanda uh, for helping us safely get back to our hotel and you know to reconnect with him and talk about our interests in personal development you know um, I don't know if a lot of you know about Gary V and I'm not talking about there's a there's an artist named Gary V in the Philippines uh, who goes by actually his name is Gary Valenciano and he goes by the name Gary V 
But the Gary V that Adonis and I would talk about is actually Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, best-selling author. I think New York Times best-selling author of Crush It. And Gary Vaynerchuk is one of those speakers um, that shares platforms with Tony Robbins and Grant Cardone, you know, or uh, John Maxwell and Bob Proctor and Brian Tracy, you know, and or even Brendan Burchard. So that it was, it was such a pleasure talking to Adonis because we share so many things in common. And it was even such a great time that we could actually talk about one of our favorite um, subjects, which is personal development. So that being said, um, the next night, we we it was our last night. Uh, actually, it was, uh, it was uh, the very last day in the Philippines. We met up with our friends um, Jody Stieg and Maribel Stieg. Um, we knew them through our Shackley days because we, we used to sell Shackley products as well. And it was so nice to see them. Uh, and because we've never met them uh, in person until we told them that we were going to be in the Philippines. And finally, we got to see them in person. And then we shared so many things in common as well. And after that, we, we, you know, we said our goodbyes. We actually gave uh, Maribel some Canadian chocolates like O. Henry and... Uh, coffee crisp which apparently was not available in uh, Philippines so that was a real treat for her and then uh, we got packed and ready we headed towards um, the Okada and we met up with our friends uh, uh, Jang and Eugene for the very very last time um, I think very real well, I think uh, the daughters would yeah the daughter no I don't believe the daughters were with us with us Actually, no, they weren't with us. They actually uh, were celebrating Halloween at the time. So we got to see this amazing water show. It's almost, I would say it's double the size of the Bellagio. And it's uh, like the, the, the height of the water um, presentation is probably even double that of the Bellagio. It was so high. And they would play this entire performance and presentation to Aerosmith's I Don't Want to Miss a Thing. You know, we got to see the rest of Okada and it was still in development, but it was so huge. And I think, if anything, this, we were looking at what could be the new Philippines. Uh, the Philippines uh, of old is now being replaced with a new modern Philippines that's being cleaned up, you know, and it's going to be even more epic and more amazing. And all I can say that, that uh, I, I miss, I already miss them, you know, it was even for two weeks, but we we had the most amazing time, most amazing food, most amazing people, you know, and it, like they said, it's always fun in the Philippines. And then we made it to Korea, and it was a little tricky getting through <laughs> immigration and all that stuff, but we made it through and so forth, um, you know, and it's, I can say it's so beautiful, uh, Korea. Uh, it just takes a little bit to get around, but the one thing that I really um, thought was really helpful about Korea is that most of the people there, at least to some extent, they can speak English. Some of them can't. Our, our first night in Korea when we ate um, our dinner, the person couldn't really, he only probably knew one or two words of English, so all we could do was point to some of their menu items uh, that had pictures. And then they served us the food, and I got to tell you, it was so delicious. I, ca I can't tell you the name of the restaurant because I don't know what the name is. It's uh, it's made out of um, letters in Korean or a character, uh, Korean characters. 
So we got a chance to actually visit this one palace. It's, it starts with a G, but I can't remember how to pronounce it. It's a very long name. But we, we got to enjoy the evening there, you know, like the evening time, and we thought it was kind of haunted at first. Luckily, we met some um, tr Korean travelers who actually were from Hawaii, so we could actually speak English with them. So the next morning, we actually had a chance to go to a place that sells, or actually rents, handboks. And handboks are, it's a, it's a word for a costume, but it's for the... It's for the, the, the Joseon Dynasty. I think it's called Joseon Dynasty. Um, historical national costumes uh, where you can dress like the people during the, I don't know, the 15th century or something like that. And fortunately for me, um, I wanted, well, while I wanted to wear just a layman's sort of uniform, I actually got the chance to dress as a king. And Shirelle got to dress as a queen. As well, and I have to tell you something about the, uh, the trip to Asia. If you're Canadian or American, your money will go really far. All I can say is that when I when I got bubble tea in Philippines, uh, in in Canada, I would pay almost eight nine dollars for a large honey green bubble tea with tapioca. If I in in the Philippines, I only had to pay like less than two dollars, and that shocked me <laughs> uh, as to how affordable so many things are in Asia. So, our our handbook, our costumes actually were like thirty five dollars each. Actually, well, actually thirty five for me, thirty for Shirelle, a total of sixty five dollars Canadian for both of our costumes, and for for two hours of a, of a rent. And then we would, if you were wearing these handbooks, you would go into the palaces for free, which was amazing. So admission was free, but also what was also bonus is that I apparently. Uh, you can go to almost every Subway sub-restaurant in Korea and order a, a sandwich for free. At least that's what, f f from what I remember. But uh, I can say, after we were done, we had to go straight to the airport and get ready for our flight back to Toronto. And oh my gosh, that was, <laughs> that was quite an evening <laughs> or a day. But I have to say, that was my entire trip there. But it didn't stop from there. Um, of course, Cheryl and I had to deal with jet lag for a good month and so forth. We, about two and a half weeks after we returned from uh, Asia, we were already in the Santa Claus parade, and I, um, I actually got a chance. I actually had the um, the honor of actually having my picture taken and shown in the Toronto Star newspaper as well. So that just caught me out of um, you know surprise. We got a chance to sing uh, Christmas carols at. Uh, a friend's uh, party in Fort Erie, Ontario. It was um, with a, a group of um, business leaders uh, or business um, entrepreneurs. And then um, my Cheryl was part of uh, a group called Phil Cantista, which is uh, an, a, a big choir. And they performed at Ontario Place here in Toronto. And then they performed one more time at the distillery at, uh, district here in Toronto. Uh, it, they were. They had something called the Christmas market. As for me, I was asked to also help direct a musical event uh, that was going to be um, handled, actually performed at a local hospital called Providence Center. And it was through the GTA Catholics Meetup Group. But we also had some uh, some performers from 
the school that Cheryl teaches, uh, JDL School for Performing Arts. And we also had some people from Beauty Pad. It's called Canada's uh, Top Choice. Uh, but all of that, that's that's pretty much what's happened since my last podcast. Uh, if anything, I know this is probably already. Let's see how how long is this? Yeah, we're, I'm I'm already at 39 minutes. Oh, that, that's not too bad. Almost an hour. But anyway, that was it. That was pretty much our entire trip. Uh, that's what's happened since then. I actually I'm almost close to finishing the marketing portion of my piano course um i had already started working on all like the videos for my uh, piano course play sorry learn to play piano by ear course as well Uh, that's going to take some time but i'm trying to aim for the end of january to get this piano course out there so that way people can learn what i learned not just what from what i learned but also what i developed some techniques i developed to get myself uh, to play piano up to speed and to be able to play any song no matter what the situation uh, by ear um, and to be able to play whatever's in my head so I'm hoping that I can leave that legacy with a lot of you so that's it that was pretty much all uh, that's happened since then and I will do whatever I can to make sure that I can podcast on a regular basis so that I can provide all of you true great value whether it be from you know personal development as a musician or learning ways on how you can actually take your piano playing to the next level or increasing your confidence if you've never touched piano before but you would love to do this and you would it's your dream you know whether to play for yourself or to play for others it's better if you can play for others because then when people cheer for you that's pretty much feedback and feedback is like a bouncing energy it gives you energy right so we all could use the energy if anything all right so you all take care and i will see you in the next uh, podcast you're listening to Ryder and kilo and this is piano maverick <laughs>